Come on, season six. Let's get sickening. <laughs> I've waited 150 episodes to do that. He really has. He really has. We're back. Hey, snitches. We are back. This is season six. We are <laughs> on the wild. sixth book. How? How did we do this? I know. I we are know. overachievers. Also, there was a pandemic. So, like, we didn't do anything else for a little while. There's still a pandemic, but now we just do things because, you know. <laughs> it's just the norm now, right? <laughs> so this is our first episode of the next season, and we're actually going to do something special today. We're not going to do chapter one. Mm -hmm. So it's not really book six yet. You but it is book six. Week. Yeah. Season six. So. Season yeah. Six. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, so today we're actually going to do a special episode, and we invited a friend of mine, Alec, to talk to us today about daniel radcliffe hello snitches i'm so excited to be here thank you guys for having me yes of we're course. so excited alex because i met you a bajillion years ago and we have not actually interacted much in person how do you pronounce your last name petchy i'm a teacher i tell my kids it's like pet sheep without the p okay i am yeah. notorious for doing things like that wrong and i don't like it's fine i know we've met through like auditions and other theater people and stuff yeah. but we've never actually done a show together it is crazy yeah. i'm trying to make it so that it's not so exciting here but and i blurred the you background just blurred yourself. but i learned myself <laughs> so it, th it thinks i'm the background. <laughs> yeah, the background so we're recording on zoom today with alex she has a show this evening and i am literally pet sitting across two counties <laughs> and trying to move into my new place we're just gonna do this on zoom today it's the power of technology right haven't done this in two months but it is now time to acknowledge our patrons as a reminder you can always join us at patreon.com basic snitches three dollars a month will be our basic tier that's where you will get exclusive content every single week as well as be acknowledged in all of the episodes just like these folks so that includes ashley brian Brittany, jen layla marybeth megan nisi olivia nicole and raf as always, thank you to all of you. Now, we do have two other tiers, our $5 extra points tier, where you will have access to exclusive merch, a tarot reading to you once per quarter, and then we are still sort of figuring out an additional perk for that tier. Previously, it was mini cutting room floors, but because of the way that editing these episodes and getting that content works, we are working with another meet and greet sort of solution with Tara. And then at our $10 tier, which is the Quen tier, that is where you get mini fishbowl episodes once a month, as well as a weekly blog or vlog from Tara and I every single week. So join us today at patreon.com slash basic snitches. Before we get into the rest of the episode, so that I don't have to come in later, I wanted to give you an update on our schedule for the beginning of this season. So of course, today is back to Hogwarts Day on September 1st, which is why we wanted to provide this special episode. Also so that the break that you had wasn't like super long. Next week, though, we are going to have one more week off followed by a little teaser of the remainder of this season. And then book six will actually start on September 21st. Reason why is we had a little bit of scheduling conflicts. Also, I'm taking the first week-long vacation that I've taken in like 10 plus years. So that also throws a wrench into our editing schedule. 
So enjoy this first episode of the season. And then there's a couple weeks there where we're still going to be sort of off before we actually start book six. So we will see you again fully on the 21st, but keep an eye on your podcasting app of choice on the 14th to get that little peek at what is coming up. Before we start talking about our favorite Harry Potter, or at least he's my favorite Harry Potter, I'm assuming he's everyone else's, but... He better be. Yeah. Alex, what's your house? I am a Ravenclaw. Of course. Yay! Yay, Another one. Yay! We we have had so many guests Ravenclaws. All of our friends are Ravenclaws, honestly. That's the best people. what the show should be called is All Our Friends Are Ravenclaws. (laughs) Yeah. You know what's funny? I think it's mostly Ravenclaws, and then I think Slytherin might be second place. Yeah. Lots of Ravenclaws. How did you get into Harry Potter? My mom is a big literature person, but she was involved in this like children's lit group when I was a kid. And they were like, hey, there's this new book coming out. It's supposed to be great. And she actually got it when it came out, Sorcerer's Stone in America. But I was in the second grade, so I didn't read it. It was just sitting on a shelf. Mm -hmm. And then I remember through the years going to pick it up, reading like some of the first chapter, putting it back, you know? I, not for me yet. And then in the fifth grade, I had moved to a new school and didn't know anybody, like was not prepared for school. And they had on the list, you have to have a silent reading book on the first day. So I hmm. grabbed Sorcerer's Stone off the shelf, threw it in my backpack. And that was literally the beginning of the end. <laughs> I started oh. reading Sorcerer's Stone in the fifth grade. And from then on, I was obsessed as we all are. We're a little old, well, Adam's a little older than you, and I'm, I'm older than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many of the books were out when you started reading then? I believe Goblet of Fire was all that was out. Okay, so that's about when I started reading as well, yeah. when Goblet of Fire was out. But I just, I have to like put that in context because I was a senior in high school. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> well, I, I like how you were like, well, Adam's a little older than you, and then I am just uh, with a throne. <laughs> Listen, yesterday I took this behavioral health class just as part of like my job and it was me and like 12 nurses and everyone there thought I was 10 years younger than I am. So that's fine. They're just like, are you thinking of becoming a nurse? And I was like, I'm almost 40. So no. (laughs) (laughs) That is a super cute origin story. I love that so much because you're like, I guess I'll read this today. And then it was like, well, now it's my favorite thing. So, so Alex is actually kind of like our Daniel Radcliffe expert. I mean, (laughs) out of the three of us. We're just going to talk a little bit about Dan. Obviously, we are pro Dan. There are a couple very popular Harry Potter podcasts that do not like Dan as Harry. Uh, And I don't love that. But whatever. That's them being wrong. Agreed. One of them is very aggressively like, oh, he's not our Harry Potter. Calm down. You're allowed to not (laughs) like a thing and not make it so aggressive. He was cast when he was a child. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he he was a kid. Calm down. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Who do they say they wish was right? Listen, fandoms are toxic as fuck, guys. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. We'll do a whole show just about that. That's something I'm you know. That That's something I want to talk to the girls about too. We were talking about that toxic today. fandoms. Toxic fandoms because oh we had my gosh. we did the most controversial book in this in death series that my other podcast is, and this woman came for us because she was like, "You guys are being unfair to blah blah blah," and we're like. Oof, we were mean to your book boyfriend. Calm down. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll start talking about Dan. 
I don't know if there's anything else you want to say because I'm bad at this. Hey, but. no, this is your opportunity to be the MC. I got to be honest. I'm a little bit nervous for this episode mostly because I don't watch things. I know. I may have talked about it a little before, but in order for me to get obsessed with something, I have to jump with both feet mm-hmm. and like get really into it. I have yeah. to sit with it. Well, I guess that's not true either. It, it really depends on what it is. Yeah, well, so. I mean, that's how it's for <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's so many movies I haven't seen. There's so many shows. I can understand that though. Sometimes it's hard to start something new. It is hard. Because you're comfortable with what you know. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of stick within my genres. I might not be great at this episode, but I'll interject here. I think something else, we will definitely get you to look into something that Dan has done. Yeah. I think. Get some more interest in some other projects and whatnot, I'm sure. Have you seen anything Dan's done? I've seen Harry Potter. What are some of your favorite projects that he's worked on since Harry? I feel like because I'm a theater person and performer, I'm like supposed to say, oh, all his West End work and all his Broadway work. I mean, obviously he's awesome, but I actually think I like some of his other things like movies and television shows more. I don't know if you guys have seen The Young Doctor's Notebook. I have not. And that is on my list. And I don't want to It's so good. It's serious, but he brings a humorous edge to it. It lightens the mood. And I really like that for him. He gives it sort of a comedic timing that it needs to make it a little bit lighter. He's a comedic genius. He really is. Yeah. I think you and I have had this conversation before. He can do anything, in my opinion. He can sing and dance. He can do drama. He can do comedy. It's everywhere. Yeah. And he works so hard. Yeah. So that for like a television show, I would definitely say put that on your list. It's very good. For movies, it's like almost a guilty pleasure. I love the movie What If. Yes, I knew you were going to say What If. It's so cute. My favorite movie. And it's just a silly rom-com, but it's so good. I was just going to ask what it was about, but kind of You're like, it's a (laughs) rom-com. What's funny is America did the thing, what we do. And that's not the title of the movie. Mm. The title of the movie is the F word, like the F word. It was an indie film and it was produced in Canada. And America said, no one's going to watch this movie in America if we call it the F word. It's not going to work for marketing. We're going to call it what if. I just think that story is funny, though, because it comes full circle with Philosopher Stone, Sorcerer Stone. Like, why do we do this? America is dumb. Yeah. Yeah, because like in Philosopher and Sorcerer's case, it was, well, kids aren't going to want to read anything about a philosopher is how they package it, Basically, yeah. Because Um, we're too dumb to know what that is. Yeah, so we're too dumb and we're prudes about things, I guess. Yes, that's probably my top two. Are we going to talk about Miracle Workers? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You've, of course, watched all three seasons. Okay, Tara. (laughs) Yes. Have I not at least sent you the video from the Please tell me you've seen the video, Adam. What happens in the video? You would know. (laughs) She'll be coming around the mountain. Okay, yes. (laughs) Yes. I have seen that. And like, I remember watching being like, what the hell? I will tell you though, that is actually the highlight of the third season. The third season is maybe my least favorite, but it's still very funny. I think the second season is my favorite. For sure. I but agree. the first one is very innovative. That's the one I think like I'm most invested in the characters. Yeah. That is what I recommend you watch. And literally you can get through an entire season in a couple hours. Yeah, it's Do light like- comedy. I have it on my Amazon. I'll just come over and we'll watch them. 
Okay, we'll cool. just that she'll be coming around the mountain. First, when I saw it on the episode, I was like scarred for life. You know, then you YouTube it a few more times and you're like, you know what? No, he went all in like 110%. That's what he does. That is so good. Swiss Army man, sure. So it's like a historical thing? <laughs> I'm just going no. to make a search. <laughs> yes. Yes, no. The premise of season one, which is, is that he plays this guy who works to make miracles happen. So heaven is a corporation. Prayers, yeah. Heaven's a corporation. <laughs> he makes prayers come true, but he focuses on these like easy little prayers because he wants to be successful. Mm-hmm. This girl comes in and she challenges him to do bigger, more exciting prayers or whatever. Meanwhile, God is the biggest fuck up on the planet. And it's Steve Buscemi. And it's Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. It's a fucking genius. <laughs> I could definitely see myself watching this. It, like, it is pretty God remarkable. is played by Steve Buscemi. It's pretty he, fantastic. So. He is a gift. It's, it's so he is a gift. <laughs> My favorite Dan projects are theater related. And I love them. I just. Oh no, I know you do. Yeah. But because I was lucky enough to see them, I got to see Cripple Vinishman on Broadway mm-hmm. in the second row. I would have cried the whole time. Oh my gosh. It was stunning here's the thing is that it was stunning because you have this entire west end transfer it's a matinee it's a saturday matinee i'm sitting there with dan adam clusty and steve dan hunsinger dan hunsinger not daniel radcliffe no but daniel radcliffe showed up like minutes before that fucking matinee because we were about to go into the theater and we see them get out of his car and run to the stage door we're like really dan oh my gosh (laughs) but it's me. I was going to say he's Sarah Price that shit, but... <laughs> but he didn't have Dunkin' Donuts in his hands. <laughs> oh, well, there's that. <laughs> he completely contorted his body to move the way that Billy needs to move in that piece. And the show was just, first of all, it's really good play. The playwright, Martin McDonough, I only like some of his work. Some of it's a little too weird or dark, but this is, I think, very good. My favorite part of the whole experience was when... They did their curtain call. We gave them a standing ovation because they were incredible. Do you know West End actors don't get standing ovations like this? The looks on their faces of gratitude and like joy of having their work appreciated. makes me so happy. Dan and I looked at each other. We're like, oh my God. Because it is, it's such an American thing to give standing ovations so often on Broadway. And the West End is not, they probably were getting them more anyway, but they're probably thinking a matinee, eh? Because it only ran for about four weeks in the United States. It was one of the most humbling things I think could happen to an actor to like recognize the difference of the two environments. Watching like a multimillionaire actor who's 28 stand up on the stage and like give literally his whole body to this piece and then watch him just feel like you could see how humbled he was and I was like oh my god why are you perfect but then I got to see him in lifespan of a fact his comedic timing and his delivery and he did it with an American accent the character that he played in lifespan of a fact would spew off words like no one's freaking business it was so fast and i'm like how are you doing this yeah his accent did not sound weird like he definitely sounded american it was just really really well done uh yeah i will never forget those two things how jealous cripple of finish was like a last minute thing i was like now i have to see him every time he's on broadway if i can and yeah how to succeed very impressive is he the best singer on the planet no 
But, he's but like, we love him anyway. Horrible. And he was working so hard. And also, he sounded great. I saw that, but I saw it with Darren Chris because I like okay. just missed him, you know? But it was still I mean, amazing. Also, and I could yeah. picture him doing it. <laughs> I have the soundtrack, you know? Darren but... Chris is our second favorite Harry Potter, so. Oh, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Actually, Kaylee Joyce is probably our second favorite Harry Potter, but. Yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> Beyond everything that you have talked about, I mean, some of the shows that you had just said, I have never heard of in my life, but I knew that he was in uh, How to Succeed in Business, and of course, Equus as well, but that's as far as my knowledge really goes. (laughs) Okay, well, you can answer this one. If you could choose a character from any medium, any story, any TV show, whatever, for Dan to play. Oh my gosh. I know that you sent these questions ahead of time, so I would have had time to think about this. You know, where my mind always goes is, speaking of fandoms earlier, are ones that I really enjoy. Do you know who, what I'm about to talk about? No. Agatha Christie. So <laughs> I was thinking of the BBC with David Suchet as Hercule Poirot. I personally could see him in, you know, some years, because he's still far too young, but playing an Arthur Hastings or an Inspector Jack or something like that. That comes to mind because... I mean, we've talked so many times about how there's like 10 actors from Great Britain that are in everything that you see over and over and over again. <laughs> Correct. I feel like once it's the next generation's turn to be in everything, right? it's, it's going to be him and everyone who was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, one of our Patreon Fishbowl episodes, we actually talked... <laughs> It was one that you had put on, and then, like, it was one of the first ones we did, where Tara did her best to persuade me to watch Game of Thrones. (laughs) I am very afraid of blood, so that's, like, my (laughs) biggest barrier. But I imagine, I mean, you said that, I'm sure there are opportunities where Daniel Radcliffe would be able to shine in that. Oh, Daniel Radcliffe would definitely just have replaced Jon Snow. They're both very attractive, short British men who I... Adore. That is sort of is your brand. Yeah. <laughs> well, one element of your brand, because you have many. Yes. It's women of color and short British men. That's really what it is. You know what? That's a good mix. Peggy and I, who was on one of our movie episodes, we went to see Lord of the Rings at Blossom. We were Googling things about Lord of the Rings, whatever. And there was this article that came up about how there were all these rumors that Daniel Radcliffe was going to play Bilbo Baggins when they did the Hobbit trilogy. Oh my God. He was like, absolutely not. I think people are tired of seeing me do magic things. I think it was prior to the last couple movies. Well, it's really funny because you had talked about how we were saying how there are 10 British actors and everything. And I mentioned that Martin Freeman had been one of the people who wasn't in Harry Potter. He was Bill Yeah. <laughs> I think now that we're past all of that and they keep talking about redoing Lord of the Rings stuff and Elijah Wood was my very first celebrity crush and I love him. I would always take Dan over Elijah any day. And that's funny because there's so many things about how they look alike. Have you seen all those things? Yes, and they're both like, what the hell? I know. And then they like play off of it because it's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have anyone? Every single time it's time for a new doctor in Doctor Who, a tiny, (sighs) tiny part of me is like, maybe, maybe Dan will be it. (laughs) Like, and I know he's too well known to ever play the doctor, but like there's a tiny part of me that always holds out hope because I think he would be fantastic as the doctor. I'm not not a Doctor Who fan, and then yeah. I never watched it, but I really am like, do I want to undertake this? We're in the same boat. I, I really kind of want this. to. 
it is an undertaking, especially now. Like there is yeah. a lot now. I love it. And I know that you like the same kind of things. So I think you would <laughs> like it. I mean, obviously, you know who Matt Smith is, right? Yeah. He would be similar, I think, to Matt Smith's doctor because he brought a lot of like quirky comedy to it. And I, I could see him being more like that. See, yeah. I almost wonder if like years from now, again, similar to what I said about Agatha Christie, I don't know. <laughs> 10, 20 years, who knows what'll happen between now and then. Maybe, and to your point, I think, again, I may have mentioned this, but it's been going on for so long now that an undertaking is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> but I still imagine that it would be something that would fit well within kind of the scope of what I usually like to watch. Yeah, so. I did the thing that I expected Alex to do, which was I thought about theater. Yeah, I was trying to go a different way because I was right. like- Right, I love it though, because it like yeah. it's a nice little mix. There are two roles in musical theater that I would like to see Dan play. Ooh, what? And one of them is Monty Navarro. Oh, oh my yes. God. Oh my God. No, Tara, I have literally thought about that. How good he would be in Gentleman's Guide. Great Monty Navarro. Yeah. They'd probably be like, mm, you're too short. And they'd be like, oh, you're so cute. That actually could be hilarious with like Sabella and Phoebe being tall. I am 10,000% all about women being taller than men in yeah. like romantic pairings. I just did Midsummer Night's Dream and our Helena was so tall. She was taller than Demetrius and it Amazing. made me so happy. Yeah. It's also funny as hell when she was towering over. That's what I'm bit. saying. It would be so funny. I like yeah. that. And the other one is not nearly as exciting, but whatever. It also like doesn't make sense because he's British, but I really want to see him play younger brother in that time. He maybe is too old now. Yeah. British, but I just think I could see it though. In general, I, I think he should do some Shakespeare on the West End. Really a strong thing for him to do because he's capable of doing it. Put him in the Royal Shakespeare Company. David Tennant can take him under his wing. It'll oh my be God. I will absolutely find the money to, to go thousand dollars to see them. Because I was like racking my brain and I just kept seeing that. And I was like, why am I seeing that? That's so- I have thought about that so many times in Gentleman's Guide, how good he would be. You know, if they ever actually make Tangled a Broadway musical, because it is a musical for like Disneyland or in the cruise lines. Yeah. If it actually ever came and was a full-fledged Broadway musical, he would be good as Flynn. Oh yeah. Oh, Diana's a prince. Yeah. Well, he's not a prince though. He's so precious. Mm -hmm. Okay, well we're gonna talk about Dan as Harry. What's your favorite movie? Like favorite Harry Potter movie? Specific to Dan's acting. Like where do you think okay. he's the strongest? I would have to say, acting wise. Probably Deathly Hallows Part 1. There is a lot of opportunity in that movie for him to show a lot of different emotional range. And I think he nailed it. Every single time he's feeling anxious and stressed about the situation he's in, I believe him. And I've seen that movie a thousand times. You know, I think he really brought something to that film in particular and made it real. That's actually also my answer. Yeah. I am also going to elaborate on Half-Blood Prince. That is my favorite Harry Potter film. His instincts are very clear in that movie. Yes. His comedic stuff is spot on. His serious stuff is really, really very strong. I think about when he screams at Snape at the end and I'm like, yes. It yes. like gives me chills every time. I think Deathly Hollows part one is still like the most ultimate. Right. If we're going just off of acting and like him growing as an actor and bringing it to the screen, I think Deathly Hollows part one is the one. But yes, Half-Blood Prince also. What about you? Okay. I would agree. When I think of the trajectory of the series more than anything, we talk a lot about how the middle films are caca. <laughs> In particular, 
Goblet of Fire being such <laughs> a strong book and being an awful adaptation. <laughs> but when we focus on just Daniel's acting as well, you know, the first few films, he's cute. He's very fresh, fine. And then there is this trajectory, and some of it is really how Harry is written and how he's directed. I think of in movie three, where they're at Hogsmeade. He kind of learns about Sirius in relation to his parents and how he how he screams. Yeah. Um, yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Like, oh so close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's I think where we start to see some of acting become really adolescent in these later films, which is one of the exciting things about being in book six now. I think we are gonna see so much growth mm-hmm. as we rewatch them as well. Yeah, I mean, I always think about how book three is one of my absolute favorites. Going through this podcast, book four is absolutely up there too. I absolutely hate book five. Confirmed that is my least favorite. But these later books and movies, I feel much more excited to dive into them. And part of it, I think, is Daniel's acting. I really like that you kind of brought up because I think that most of us are like, that moment in Azkaban, we're like, I don't love this. Mm. But he's very strong in Goblet of Fire, even though it's not a great adaptation. Yeah, yeah. I think that colors it a little bit. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff with Cho in particular and the cringiness with Cho. It's hilarious, though. Being a teacher and seeing how kids are together and when their hormones are raging and how awkward they are together. It's kind of real how cringy it is. (laughs) I can see that. If those books in particular for four and five, let's say, are middle school, that tracks to me. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing is, is that the actors were also like the correct age for all of that. The awkwardness in movie four, even though I don't like the adaptation, is so much more charming than the adolescent acting in movie three. Can I ask you a question, Tara, since we have the same answer? Because my viewpoint has changed. How did you feel about the scene in Deathly Hallows Part 1 that they added? um, You're going to ask. With Hermione and Harry's, like, dancing in the tent. Oh, that (laughs) is such a good question. I'm very excited for your answer as well. I actually kind of like the scene and I've been saying this since book one I think we always need to elevate platonic relationships between men and women as friends Harry and Hermione go through hell together seven books and obviously beyond and they are best friends and there is never once a moment in the entire fucking series in which Harry is like I'm attracted to Hermione and definitely the other way around. That being said, I love what that scene does because they're giving themselves a moment to be, you know, one of my best friends is getting married in October, Dan. I'm in the wedding and Dan and I have a Dan Hunsinger. Thank you. Jesus I was Christ. About to say it. I was like, we got a lot of Dan. Dan Clarify. Right. Dan Hunsinger and I have, have been friends for 15 years. And I was accused of cheating on my ex-husband with Dan. Um, Whoa. Yes. That is new news for me. And he is the first person that I absolutely would expect to do something goofy like that. To be like, oh, we're going to dance silly because... That's just what we do. So I like it. I think it's them being fun and silly. And I think that Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have matured enough as people, not necessarily as actors, to convey that scene in a way that it's a release of stress and whatever. But that's my feeling. And people get mad about it. No, I agree with you a thousand and ten percent. 
But when the movie first came out, however, I remember sitting in the theater being like, what is this? Like, what is happening? I am not okay with this, right? But then I was also a teenager. (laughs) So I was like, what's happening here? But now I can understand it. It's probably my favorite scene in the movie because I think everything you just said, it's, it's honestly beautiful. It's their friendship. You never really get to see a moment with Harry and Hermione that shows their true friendship like that. Right. I think yeah. It's a really nice moment. And I think they've both said in interviews separately that that was one of their favorite scenes to film because it was just so freeing. I agree. I think it's something you have to sit with. What is going on? Because at first you're like, what is the director trying to do here? What are we trying yeah. to convey? Like, right, because um, we, know, we have a not great track record on okay. making these books movies. <laughs> yeah, with some of the things they choose to insert and things like that. When you had said, Alex, that we don't get an opportunity to really see them. One scene in the books that I really love, and it's one of Hermione's best moments, and it's in book four, is when Ron is all pissy because his name got drawn. Because Ron. (laughs) That also works, especially for that book. They get up early in the morning and Hermione's like, let's go for a walk. Let's go get breakfast. Let's talk through this. And that is something that I would have loved to see in the movie because it yes. is, it feels like such a good friendship moment, but it yes. also is a good mentor moment. <laughs> I'm not saying that the directors of these films were like, well, let's cut that. And then, you know, years from now, we'll have this right. dancing scene or anything. But it is something that we get a lot more with Ron and Harry, I think, in the movies especially. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like the movies don't really show us their friendship. So it would have been nice to have more moments like that. I think that my instinctual reaction to it was also like, what is this as well? I really am just so curious to know what brought on the decision to do that. But obviously, we're probably never going to find out. I think at that moment in the film, too, and it's getting closer to the end of part one, Ron is no longer there. It feels like a kind of a dissolute moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity for them to try to bring joy into their experience. Maybe that is what they were kind of going through. I always think some of the changes that they make, they do it so it's a little bit more palatable for like a widespread audience. Perhaps that was their initial thought, is that we need to lighten it up a little bit, even though it does still have that melancholy feel. I think that's actually a really interesting way to look at that. I mean, you could also say, like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely Hallows. Like, yeah, things are going to get By the way, things happen, people die. (laughs) Yeah, but who knows? Maybe maybe some of that was behind it. Also, we are going to be investigating that scene in a little over a year, if you think about it. That's crazy. You want to think about it? (laughs) Yeah. I am a nerd and I spend a lot of time on the internet doing things that are not productive, like Googling cool things Daniel Radcliffe has done. Um, so uh, you're like, you're like, I, I did not to show you my Google search history. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we love that Dan doesn't care what the projects are, like as long as they're fun. So he, you know, plays yeah. a fart corpse, you know, and walks a hundred dogs in a movie for <laughs> two seconds. Is there anything specific that you're like this is one reason why I am interested in what Dan is doing I don't know that's I I don't know how to ask this question yeah no idea what you're saying I think we've kind of mentioned this but his commitment even if it's the weirdest strangest script and like the most out there project he will commit 110 percent so yeah even if it's something completely bizarre I want to see it because I want to see what he does yeah I think commitment is definitely a big thing with him and the other word I'm going to use is trajectory which I know I've already used too but to really see like what else he is capable of as 
as the boy who is known as Harry Potter. Yeah. I always think back to when we were really young. I can't even remember like how many books were out or whatever. But my grandparents always used to take us to go see the Harry Potter film. And we were young. Like my sister, oh my gosh, I want to say she was like five or six or something like that. There was like a plastic hamper in our bathroom that she carved I Love Harry Potter into. And so thinking of that as like the starting point and like (laughs) where is he going to go from there? For a while, it was almost like Daniel Radcliffe was synonymous with Harry Potter, which is unfortunate. People do that with other actors and stuff, too. I'm not saying that's the right thing. It would be so interesting, you know, years from now to see him surprisingly in a movie and be like, oh my gosh, he's in that. I I think of, I'm going to bring up Agatha Christie again. And I'm going to bring up Death in the Nile for the 500th time. Yes, bring it up. When I saw that French and Saunders were in the new Death in the Nile, I had the biggest fangirl moment. (laughs) So that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for more of those fangirl moments. It's funny because even like, uh, this is not about, this episode is not about Emma Watson, obviously. But when I was growing up, Beauty and the Beast was one of my favorite Disney Mm -hmm. films. And then to see her as Belle, that was a little bit of fangirl moment, even though I have some other opinions about that particular movie. (laughs) Again, another podcast. Yes, Yes. we'll do another one on Emma Watson. Okay. But but that sort of thing is, those moments are what what I get excited for. One of the cool things that I learned about Daniel Radcliffe several years ago I don't know if you guys know, but his stunt double was paralyzed during the last movie or the second to last movie. Daniel actually produces or helped produce or whatever the podcast that uh, I think his name is David Holmes. And he talks about the work of what body doubles and stunt doubles and all that do in Hollywood and in these movies. And I think Daniel's on several episodes with him. He's out there kind of doing activist work that is less in the spotlight. You know, because I think that people, especially people who are in show business, should be aware of like the kind of craziness that these actors go through. I thought that that was really cool that he kind of helped produce that. Yeah, and like advocates for stunt doubles and people doing that stuff and spreading the knowledge that they get hurt and they're risking their lives and safety to do these things. Yeah, it's pretty scary. There's a picture somewhere on the internet of a little after that happened, I believe, of like him and Tom Felton in the hospital with a couple and it's really cute. Took our time to visit him all the time, I guess. And like, well, I know that he had made a point around that time to make commentary on it so that people wouldn't see photos of him and David and be like, oh, look at Daniel Radcliffe being so nice with this new non-able-bodied person. And for Dan to be like, this is my friend and this is what he has done for me. And this is who this person is. It's not just a person who we feel sad for because they're in a wheelchair. Like he said several things along those lines. And I was like, good for you because automatically people are going to be like, oh, look at how nice he is, which he is nice, but that's not the point, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also would like to read Dan's statement that we actually, I think, read earlier on the podcast, I think in season two, in response to JK. I think in general, you know, we as artists, as creative people, as people who enjoy fantasy and creative things and readers in general who are willing to think outside the box, we all very much lean left. And we all very much lean toward, you know, things like human rights and everything. And I don't feel like it should be any kind of shock that all of these young actors are speaking out 
in response to the continued turfdom like mm-hmm. fucking stop oh my God. it's gotten like if she could just stop talking oh, the doubling she, down is what is yes if she had like, just stopped after the original like tweet we would have forgotten by now like why does she feel the need to continue to talk you know yeah. she, again as we could do a whole other yep <laughs> we sure could i would go so far we, to say that someone should rip her tongue out but, i mean you know. no she <laughs> like rip her fingers off yeah, it's okay. on twitter <laughs> it's always that's a good point <laughs> just at the like mid right mid-arm what's 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 this called like honey, just forearm, stop. forearm. <laughs> just stop like go back to writing books but maybe not ones never mind because the other ones are terrible yeah um <laughs> critical vacancy or whatever it's called casual vacancy you know yeah. what it wasn't i have it it's fine it's i fine. remember Man. reading a couple of chapters and being like uh, it's not for me but maybe that title was inspired by like her thoughts casual vacancy so i'm gonna go ahead i'll read this because sadly this is still very relevant this article in which this is posted on was sadly a couple of years ago but daniel said transgender women are women any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associations who have far more expertise on the subject matter than either joe or i we love Dan. He is willing to go out on a limb and do things for other people. And we love him. I have to share this story. This I found this randomly on my favorite website, Screen Rant. <laughs> I did not know this and it's funny. So you guys know D- Daniel Radcliffe lives in New York City. So the title of this is Daniel Radcliffe Panics When He Accidentally Walks by the Harry Potter Store. Oh. Currently based in New York, Daniel Radcliffe hasn't quite managed to escape the grasp of his childhood fame. In an interview on the Kelly Clarkson Show, he reveals his reaction to the Harry Potter New York store dedicated to all things Harry Potter near the Flatiron Building. Here's what he had to say. They've just opened a massive Harry Potter store in New York and I'll walk past there and suddenly get there like, oh no, I'm here. I have to not be here very quickly and I have to run before somebody sees me. Oh my gosh. I understand. Yeah, like put yourself in his shoes. Like, oh crap. Imagine weirdly forgetting that he was Harry Potter. Like he's just wandering, walking down the street. I'm just trying to live in my I am by the store. I need to leave. I'm just trying to live in my city. That's all. I have a friend who does stage management on Broadway and stuff. And he was telling me how Dan, whenever he's working on a project, will like wear the same clothes every day, like to the theater. And yeah, he leaves because then the paparazzi can't sell the pictures because then they don't have a specific day that it was like the the picture becomes invalid because he's always wearing the same thing <laughs> keep a set of like the same hoodie and the same jeans when he leaves so that like it's always the same no matter what i think that's hilarious i love that that makes yeah. me so happy oh my gosh yeah that's smart are, are we missing anything is there anything else we want to throw well, out there yeah i think my only thing in terms of the turfness this is more of like a personal thing because I, you know, I talk a lot on the podcast about how I work for an ed tech company that's very literacy focused and I'm part of an employee resource group there that is LGBTQ called Reading Rainbows, which makes a lot of sense. Amazing. We have had a lot of projects over the past few years, such as, you know, including pronouns in our email signatures, which we finally have gotten to. And being in a literacy company, a lot of our like conference rooms were named after authors and they still are but we had a Rowling. I don't know if I've ever said Rowling on the podcast. No, I've done it twice. Well, that's actually not how you pronounce it, so that's fine too. 
Oh, oh yeah, I guess that's probably true, Rowling. Because we just refer to that person as the author. Through that, that conference room has been renamed. We do some work with the production company behind all of this too. And I, it's like, how can we have a podcast dedicated to this series while also being clear that we do not support the author you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and we said it you know years ago when she first had said these comments but it's like this is why we're having these conversations to really dive into the details and we love the characters and the stories and the characters and this world is bigger than the author I feel like every few episodes we come up with something brilliant out of our own minds and we're like that's canon yeah (laughs) we we have um we have absolutely created canon yeah no I do it all the time and to bounce kind of what you're saying, Adam, all of us as a fandom have had our experiences over the years where we've had that struggle. Like, mm-hmm. is this still okay? Am I still allowed to like this? You know, yeah. does that make me a bad person? But I think it comes back to that whole, and I know it's such an argument, separating the art from the artist, knowing mm-hmm. like, I love the art, the artist is problematic. And cause that comes into play in so many things in the world. You could go off on Walt Disney, like Walt was a Nazi. And that's a problem, but we still love Disney, you know? So I think it's finding that balance of knowing like it's still okay to like love this world and love these characters and love all this stuff, but knowing that this person is problematic, but we're going to separate that. To that actual point, when you leave this plane and you leave something behind, there are going to be people who bring that into a place of joy and make it better and I mean, clearly that's what we're doing because Basic Mitch is the best Harry Potter podcast ever. I got it. (laughs) What you had said about like separating the art from the artist, I think is very key. I've seen a lot of things online about people getting rid of their books and getting rid of their merch and things like that. This is also the second time I've mentioned our fishbowl episodes mm-hmm. patreon.com slash basic snitches everyone <laughs> where we did one on merch and how we also really want to not support official merch as much as possible because there are a lot of independent artists out there at the same time you already bought those books you already bought that merch already done. but, but and we, she we already create... has so much money us going to see her child sure that i guess paid into it, her pocket it also paid into a small her. percentage right exactly yeah. You're you're supporting those actors, the director, the theater. It goes to so much more. You know, you go to like off the wagon in Kent and you're like, oh, look at these socks that look like they have golden snitches on them. Okay, well, yeah, it is official merchandise, but it also was purchased for this independent company that is needs to sell it. No, I'm not trying to be like, well, it's okay that we bought these things and we supported her or whatever. I'm just saying like the things that we are made to feel guilty about, like, is that really what it's... That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. We're not retweeting no. her bullshit. It also comes down to, is that decision bringing you joy? Right. And bring yeah. yourself joy. Look, I just put gas in my... Whoever is getting that money is corrupt as fuck, so... Right. <laughs> exactly. That though. is such a good point. Like... Through all of this, there's progressiveshopper.com and I've really tried to like go based on that. Mm -hmm. But it's, this is the world that we live in that we're all waking up to as well. My car insurance is through Geico and they're not perfect. Progressive is better. Do I really want to spend, you know, a week going through all of these things that I pay bills to just so that 
I can give my money to a company that's a little bit better. In some cases, yes. In some cases, it makes a lot of sense. But right. we it, also have to live in this world. So right. yeah, like capitalism but, is not something that uh, is going to go away tomorrow. Hopefully, eventually it will. But right. and if you want to get rid of your books, first of all, there's too many people burning books already. There's too many people who please don't burn your books. Yeah, no. there's too much garbage out there. Like if you want to get rid of it, there are so many other ways and so many places that you could give that to. Or like if you're feeling guilt or something, donate to the Trevor Project. Yeah, there. Do, yeah, yeah there. There are so many opportunities for you to give. If there are people who feel like that hurts them, I apologize. And I would absolutely love to have a conversation with you about it. And maybe, you know, we can come to a place of understanding. And and that's really what it is. You know, I'm going to support you anyway. I know that this, it is my privilege to not be affected by her words. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's something that is important for you to say to me or to say to us, please do, because I want the honesty and the openness and the healing and the support. There yeah. are also just so many authors out there who do write about trans characters and do, are trans themselves who have been inspired by this. This was a huge, I mean, it still is a huge fandom, but it's a series that has gone on to inspire so many more. And you can just see where some of those elements have come out of the yeah. work. Right. And it's the silver linings. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day. That's all we can really have in this world right now are silver linings. (laughs) Right. For real. And at the end of the day, the author's going to die. That wasn't a threat. I'm just saying (laughs) it's inevitable. But it comes back to Dan's statement being so important. It it is so important that he said that. Because it gives that grace of, you know what? Daniel Radcliffe was freaking Harry Potter. And he doesn't think this is okay. But he's still Harry Potter. It's okay to still love him and love the fandom and know that this isn't okay. I really appreciate what he said about people who know a lot more than her and I are saying this. We shouldn't be speaking on this. This isn't something anyone should be speaking on. Do we have time to finish off with the game? Yeah. Now that we have had the episode, I realize that you guys are going to smash this. I went to IB, IB, I, blah, 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 IMDB. Yeah, that thing. That one. And IMDb, and I looked at some of the things that he had done. And so I'm going to give you the year in the production, and you have to tell me what the role was that he played. Ooh, I'm not going to be as good at this. I don't think I'm going to be that good, but okay. Really? Okay. We'll see. Based on some of these conversations, I was like, shit, I really (laughs) thought. Also, I feel like just by the name of these, it's something that I myself would be able to at least guess on. So that gives me faith that the two of you are going to be really good. (laughs) Okay, I believe in it. Okay. I love it. So we're going to start with one of the first things he was in, which was David Copperfield in 1999. Oh Who did he play <laughs> in David Copperfield? It's a joke. <laughs> it was David Copperfield. Young David Copperfield. Uh, you are correct. He was young. Yeah. <laughs> Little one. This young David Copperfield. It is young because, David. Yeah. yeah. So wait, were, are you laughing because you knew what it was without a doubt, or because yeah, because yeah, the- I will because yeah. I was like, well, it's the title. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. that is why I would have been able to guess that <laughs> because I took Dickens in college and it was garbage, and <laughs> um, I would have been like, okay, I know David Copperfield is in that book. Um, <laughs> the next one was in 2006. So we're talking like seven years later, and it was a TV special called The Children's Party at the Palace. What? Who did he play in that? I don't know. I didn't know he did that. He played Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> that is a valid guess, actually. Do you, do you want to guess anything? No. He played Harry Potter in that. 
Same thing. Yeah, that's why I was like, Daniel's like, no, not bad. So here he is in 2006. I've been young David and I've been Harry Potter. Another five years after that, in 2011, he was on The Late Show with David Letterman and his IMDb credit is very specific. Who do you think he played? The answer is not David Red- David Radcliffe. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Is the answer also not Harry Potter? It is not Harry Potter. <laughs> so I think it was because he did like a clip from something. Oh, I don't know. Just tell us what it is. So... Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know theater at all, but Jay Piermont. Oh, Finch. oh my gosh, Tara! He did a special for How to Succeed. I okay, don't, that's what I thought I, it was. Yeah, okay. but I also don't watch David Letterman, so I yeah, me neither. That, that makes sense, though. <laughs> that that yes. makes sense that he did a special of because okay. I was like, I think that's the guy from the business one. Yeah, okay. yes, the business, the business <laughs> yeah. one, the, that, the business. Yeah, had I realized that's what that was, we, we would have gotten it. But yeah, I was like, I don't know what <laughs> when he did that. Okay, now this next one is really really hard. From 2011 to 2012, he played somebody in a Young Doctor's Notebook and other stories, <laughs> which we have already mentioned. I mean, I don't remember the character's name. I mean, he's the Young Doctor. That is correct. Is that right? I can't, just what I, it is. Yeah, I can't remember if he had a name. IMDb doesn't care either. Yeah. yeah. When you said that, I was like, fuck. She's got <laughs> He was in Bojack Horseman in 2015. Who did he play in that one? Oh my God. I'm I watched like, it. I, he played um, himself. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it was himself, but now I'm like, was he something else? <laughs> <laughs> nope, just Daniel Radcliffe. Just Daniel Radcliffe. Also, my favorite is that half of his IMDb credits are just him. Yes. 33% Harry Potter, 33% Daniel Radcliffe, 33% other things. Well, for the rest of these, he does not play. Oh, shit. All right. Well, we're it's challenge time now. <laughs> so, this is the final five. In 2015, he was in Victor Frankenstein. Who did he play in that? Was he not Igor? 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 Igor. Igor is how it's pronouncing Young Frankenstein. It is. But Igor is who he Igor. played in Victor yeah. Frankenstein. Nice, Tara. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw that in the movie theaters. I also <laughs> refuse to ever really ever acknowledge anything but Young Frankenstein, clearly. Yeah. Um, I don't love the story of Frankenstein. In but- 2017, he played someone in National Theater Life, Rosencrantz and Gildernstern are dead. Who are you playing that? I don't know. I didn't know he did that. That was a lot of words. Yes, I think the overarching show, I guess, was National Theater Life. And this particular yeah. episode was Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Which Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, aren't they from Romeo and Juliet? Or they're, they're from... They're from something Shakespeare. Hamlet? Maybe it's Hamlet, yeah. Yeah, that sounds Hamlet. right. I don't know. Hamlet. No, he played Rosencrantz. Well, no. <laughs> You're not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I knew that Hamlet wasn't in this. Sh- Actually, Hamlet is a very small role in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That was literally just confirming Hamlet was the Hamlet. role that they're from. There you go. But, uh, I mean, it was right in the title, Rosencrantz yeah. and Guildenstern. So. But I, would, I probably would have guessed Guildenstern just in yeah. anyway, so. Do you remember The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah. So apparently there was a spinoff <laughs> movie? He was in that. Movie he was in the like movie special. Yeah, yeah. Is I forgot the, about that. Mark of the dogs. Is that? Oh, the- I don't know, but it was called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy versus the Reverend. Mm-hmm. 
Who did he play? Oh, in was that? he the reverend? He was Kimmy's fiance, but oh. I don't remember his character's name. But he was the I, fiance. Yeah. I didn't see that one. I did not either, which makes me like scratch my head even more that he was Kimmy's fiance. Did you it's, say? Yeah, they get married. Spoiler at the end. Oh well, because he he played Prince Frederick. Oh yeah. Oh okay. It's all coming back to me now. It was a while ago. Yeah, he's like royal, and Kimmy meets him. And- oh. Okay, interesting. I saw that and I was like, he was in Kimmy Schmidt. But yeah, it was like the spinoff movie, I guess. Two more. And both of them are in production this year. One of them is The Lost City. Oh, yeah. He's the bad guy. I don't know his name. He like owns the island or whatever. Yeah, so he's the bad guy. I don't know his name. So wait, I'm confused. Is his character's pronouns he, his, him? I've not seen it. As far as the uh, commercials led, yes. But I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. Well, the character's name is Abigail Fairfax. So I saw this and I was like, Danny Radcliffe is a drag queen in this. But I mean, <laughs> he hasn't done that yet. So why yeah, not? The previews show him as a male presenting character, but. Huh, interesting. <laughs> and then this last one I think is pretty easy. It's also 2022, and the name of the production is Weird. Weird Al! Yes. That's right. Yes. He's yes. Weird Al. I think I heard that on My Favorite Murder, actually. And I was like, whoa, that was Yeah, have mind. you seen the trailer? Really I'm so excited for it. I feel like it's right up his alley. Also, I'm mad that you purposely did not mention anything from Miracle Workers because you knew that we would get those ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. No, I, it com- I completely went over There are things I, in like my daily life now that I say because of Miracle Workers. <laughs> like, it's so I good. I cannot wait. We're watching season one very soon. We're going to wrap up here, Alex, just because you get to be on the first episode of the season. What are you looking forward to hearing us talk about in seasons? Okay, I'm going to be dirty for a second. Half-Blood Prince is my favorite book, um, so I'm very excited. I have a personal, very strong connection to Ginny Weasley. And so growing up, even like fifth grade on, I always was like, that's my girl. You know, I just had a very strong connection to that character. So all of Ginny finally getting some like time if you will like some screen time she finally gets to be a person and so i'm really excited to see some of that and what you guys talk about and kind of her becoming her own confident person without her brothers controlling her life it's her time i love that i think we are all jenny stands we love jenny yeah yeah i literally like cry when i think too hard about how much i love her (laughs) (laughs) i love it also i'm woe into badass women obviously This series, while it focuses on Harry, and I'm such a huge Harry fan, and I love Harry, I love when the badass woman on the page with him is not always Hermione. Yes! My favorite female character in the series is Professor McGonagall, so also Ginny is fucking amazing and Cursed Child, so fine. Oh yeah, she is. It's literally my dream. Like, we'll play Ginny right. and Cursed Child. I hate Cursed Child, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, w- I will play Ginny and Cursed Child. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yay, I love that. Thank you for being Yes. Thank you for having me. I've never done a podcast before. So Yay, it was okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think great. that this will be great. Thank you so much for helping us kick off season six. Yes. Hey. I imagine that we actually talked about it with Emma Watson, but other characters, listeners, that you would like us to do special episodes on just kind of finishing things off um maggie smith is someone who came to mind too because she's perfect yes Yes. yeah let us know sound off and if you're listening to the 
this on the day it's released. Happy going to Hogwarts Day. Yeah. Released on September 1st. That's yep. exciting. Yes. And next time we will be reading chapter one. Chapter one of Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter, Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. The so other the, minister. Yeah. I was going to say. So excited. Fudge quits. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!